forget to turn the volume up for the nursery. <laughs> that way, if there's any mom sitting next door, they can hear the message. Amen. This time of year is such a, a joyous year. It's, I think it's a great time. I love the whole holiday season. And for lots of reasons, I certainly enjoy the food. But, you know, as we as we kick off Thanksgiving in our house, it begins the whole holiday season, the day after Thanksgiving. Shannon and I, we always get our decorations out and try to, you know, we put up a Christmas tree, and hopefully that doesn't offend any of you in there. But we just we begin to do that, and we're moving into a season, the Christmas season, that is... For many, just a joyous time. It's full of a lot of traditions. And the Christmas time as we're coming up, we're just four weeks away. You get that? Shannon and I were arguing about that. She says, no, it's further. I says, no, four weeks. And and so, you know, and and think about, I don't know if you have any... Uh, traditions that you have for, th- for for Christmas or Thanksgiving, but you know, for Christmas when I was growing up, we had a tradition in our family, and uh, we we didn't grow up serving the Lord at all. Um, but uh, when we grew up, um, there we had a tradition that you couldn't, the kids couldn't see the Christmas tree in the morning, and so they would you know round round us about and make us go to the kitchen, and and my mom and dad would love to see us suffer. <laughs> As as we just as we had you know and they would they'd always have a really slow breakfast and and we were just dying to go into the tree because we wanted to see what was there and and open up presents but that was actually it became a, a really a fun time because it built the anticipation uh, of the morning and and I've I've done that a few few years in our house but when you have a living room that you can't escape by you know getting into the kitchen you can't do that there's another thing I did growing up which is really interesting even came into my adult life. And I don't know why or when, if it, it just evolved, but I have to eat crunch berries on Christmas morning. I don't know why. It's just, you know, a lot of people have these traditions that have just had. Raise your hand if you have a tradition that just kind of has happened. And you kind of go, you know, I don't even know why we do that. Some people eat Chinese food on Christmas Eve every year. And you go, why Chinese? We just know what we do. As a family, Shannon and I, every year starting at Thanksgiving, begin to read these special stories out of a book called Christmas from the Heart. And I should have brought one, and I could have read one, and we could have all cried. And my, my kids know, especially Matthew and Zachary know, it's the crying book. And it's these great stories. Um, you know, some of them you've probably heard, uh, Charlie's Blanket. Yes, you know, and stories of, of, of the, the four kids who are, are trying to make the manger more comfortable for baby Jesus by doing favors for each other when each one putting in a piece of straw. And by the end of the stories, oh, the, the one that gets me every year is Jubilee, Mom's Jubilee. And we read these stories and we cry. And, and you know, we just we enjoy sitting around and we try to do it a few times a week. We always do it on Sunday night. We try to do it a few times during the week. But something else that we do every year, we have a little book. And it's a little tiny Advent book. And on Sundays, and tonight we'll, we'll start our first one, um, we read scriptures about the Advent, and um, we'll, read, we'll sing a song, and we'll read out of the Bible, and we'll read a story that comes out of this little book, as well as our, as our Christmas story that makes us all cry. And what we've been trying to do, and this year we're, we're going to be doing, we've actually only succeeded one or two years, is actually have an Advent wreath. Now, Advent, you know, for some of us in here, we didn't grow up in a traditional church, so we don't even really understand Advent. We've never, some of you maybe never celebrated, but Advent is the four Sundays leading up to Christmas. And then Christmas Eve is the final Advent. And the word Advent simply means coming. And so we're celebrating the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And over the next four weeks here at, here at Christian Center, though we're not a liturgical church, we're going to be talking about the four Sundays uh, prior to our Christmas, where we celebrate the birth of Jesus. And each Sunday has a theme, and different denominations, different, um, you know, Catholic compared to Lutheran, have different organization of the themes, but usually the themes are hope, love, joy, and peace. And sometimes they're flipped in and out of that. Almost always the first Sunday is hope. And that's what we're going to be talking about today, is hope. And I'm going to light a, and each week we'll be doing this, and 
forgive this strange looking thing. This is what you get when a man puts together the Advent wreath. And about, but each Sunday of the Advent, you light a candle and it burns during the whole celebration. And I, I, I'm telling you this because I encourage you as a family. There's a lot of resources. We even have one that was in the bulletin today um, to get together and make a new tradition. Begin to spend the Advent talking about the coming of Jesus. There's some great resources online where you could just get a couple passages from the Bible and read them together as a family. Start a tradition as you build anticipation of the coming of the Lord Jesus. But we're going to light one candle each week if I know how to light a lighter still. I should have trimmed the candle. It could be a bright, bright flame. Let's see if it goes down a little bit. If not, we can trim it and then relight it. So we are coming up to the ad, celebrating the advent of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that's his first advent, his first coming. And there are four events in Christ's life that just shine above everything else. And it's his birth, the death of Jesus, his resurrection and his ascension. Charles Spurgeon said each one of those four events points to another and they all lead up to it. And the fifth link in the golden chain is our Lord's second and most glorious advent. I want to read a scripture real quick. Isaiah 9, 2. In the New King James, it says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. Father, this morning we thank you, God, for the great light that you shined on this earth. God, we were once in darkness and we celebrate you this morning. God, we do. We thank you for the time in worship. We're able to honor you and give you praise. God, I thank you that you pulled me out of the darkness into your marvelous light. God, I pray that in the midst of all of the busyness of the holidays, God, where we're just being dragged off into consumerism still even to this day, God, help us to set our sights upon you and celebrate your coming. Father, as we look today into the hope that you bring in your advent, God, I pray that that hope would sink into our hearts. Help us to know it in our mind, but let it sink into our hearts also, Lord Jesus. Thank you, God, for your hope. God, thank you for the light has shined in Jesus' name. Amen. Christianity is both history and prophecy. It's the things that have happened and come before, and it's the things that will come ahead of us. The birth of Jesus 2,000 years ago was foretold hundreds of years, thousands in some scriptures, was foretold ahead of time. Prophecies made about the Messiah coming, and this is the season where we've, we've heard the story, most of us in here, I hope, and, and today we're going to talk a little bit about that. But there was prophetic word in the Old Testament of the Bible pointing to the coming, the first coming of Jesus that was fulfilled. And that's so important because, you know, we, Jesus just didn't show up and we wondered who this guy was and he announced this great thing. When he showed up, he fulfilled scriptures. He fulfilled prophecies from hundreds of years ago. And I want to go over a few of those. And there's, there are so many prophecies, but I just want to hit a few of those that he fulfilled by his birth. In Isaiah 9, this is right where we're at, 6 and 7, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with justice 
and judgment. From that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord will, a Lord of hosts will perform this. So it's prophesying a son would be born from the tribe of David. A son would be given and the government would be upon his shoulders. The word 700 years in Isaiah, 700 years before the birth of Christ. A couple of chapters over in Isaiah 7, it says, Therefore, the Lord himself, Isaiah 7, 14, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. And Emmanuel means God with us. And so, again, 700 years ago, the prophecy said that he would be born of a virgin. Right there, there's nobody else who can fulfill that scripture. Jesus fulfilled it. In, in Isaiah 11, you don't have to go there, but in Isaiah 11, it says that he would be of the root of Jesse. So he had to come from a specific family line. And Jesus fulfilled that. Over in Micah 5.2, Micah 5.2, just to the right, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. He had to be born in Bethlehem. Out of this nothing, very small Bethlehem. Back in, back in Isaiah, a lot of the scriptures come from Isaiah. Back in Isaiah 9, verses 1 and 2, it says, Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea along the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death. A light has dawned. He's going to be, he's going to go even to the Gentiles. He'll be from Galilee. Jeremiah thirty-one fifteen says, "This is what the Lord says: A voice is heard in Ramah, mourning and great weeping. Rachel weeping for her children. When Jesus was born, they wanted to kill him, and so they sent a decree out to kill all the." children in the land and he escaped he escaped and there was great mourning and weeping in the land because of all the children who died and where did he go he went to egypt as a child they went to egypt and hosea 11 1 says when israel was a child i loved him and out of egypt i called my son again jesus fulfilling prophecies of the old, and that's what we celebrate. We, we're celebrating the Advent, His coming. But there's a hope that we're talking about today that's not just the hope of His first coming. We're talking about the hope of His second coming, the second Advent. See, again, Christianity is history and prophecy. What does Jesus say? Jesus says He's going to come again. We have to go through the Scriptures that say that He fulfilled the Scriptures the first time to be born so that when we look at the prophetic words in the New Testament that Jesus says, I'm going to come back, there's veracity to it. There's truth to it. Over 300 times in the New Testament, there's references to His coming. 300 references in the New Testament to Jesus' second coming. 50 times in Pauline's epistles alone, it talks about the second advent, the second coming of Jesus Christ. Entire books, First and Second Thessalonian Revelation, are given to the topic that Jesus will one day come back again. And that's the hope we celebrate today. We, th- we thank God that He sent Jesus. And, and I, when I read that, that quote from Spurgeon, you know, the four things that we celebrate all point to His coming again. He had to be born. He had to die. He had to raise from the dead and He had to ascend to the right hand of the Father so that He could come back and take us home to Himself, sinless, free from guilt. He who came once is coming again. And I know there's a lot of talk about We're talking about it. We're looking at the times. We've been sharing about it here in service. And, and I, I, I hear conversations in cell groups and just other places going, boy, the time is short. And, and we're, we're counting down the days. It's true the Lord Jesus is coming again. I want to read a few scriptures 
that talk. And, and again, there's over 300 references. Jesus himself said, I'm going to come again. I just want to, I've picked out just a few scriptures. Let's go to Matthew 24. Matthew chapter 24, verse 42. This whole passage, starting verse 36, in my Bible says, No one knows the day or the hour. Oh, those of us old enough to know who like old movies, remember the old movie Thief in the Night with the, the, the famous song that, uh, that talks about this. But starting in verse 42, it says, Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour the Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what the hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. He says you would know the signs of the times, but you don't know the exact hour. And let, let, I want to read a scripture of some of the signs of the times. I forgot to write this one down, so I hope I'm going to the right spot. Mm. That's the other one. Yep, thank you. Second Timothy 3. I was going to read First Thessalonians 5 also. But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need, First Thessalonians 5, that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of the light and sons of the day. You sons of the uh, sons of the light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. We're living in times in Second Timothy three. That, well, let's see if how these sound to our day. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. Men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power and from such people turn away. You know, these things have been taught. I hear them. some of these things to be taught. We're just worry about yourself. These are perilous times that we're living. I don't know if tomorrow's the day, if today's the day, but the time is approaching but we as Christians don't have to be afraid of that day. So we know the Bible says that when He comes back, He's going to take us with Him. Matthew 24 says, At that time the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and all the nations of the earth will mourn because the nations are going to be in trouble. Those who don't know Jesus, they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory, and He will send His angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of the heavens to the other. So as he comes back, he's going to call us up to meet him. We're going to join together with Jesus. And, and we know that you, when you read in the, in the, about the end times, we know that Jesus is going to come back someday and he's going to rule literally on this earth for a thousand years. And those who've been raptured or those who are alive in during the tribulation, who escape the tribulation are going to actually rule and reign with Christ for a thousand years. And then from there we'll go on after the judgment, which we don't have to go through the white throne judgment because we're saved. 
will go and live forever in heaven. And, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a big topic. You can't handle it in one Sunday morning service. And if we started talking about rapture and pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, or are we, are we, are we millennialists? Or is there a literal thousand years? that We're going to have some differences in this room. But we know that we will be with Jesus forever and the time is growing shorter. And the time is drawing clear. And we celebrate His coming, His second coming today. And as we think about this Christmas season of Him being born, we should be focusing also that He's coming again. In John 14, 2 and 3, let's read that together. Jesus, talking to His disciples, says, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, but I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to Myself, that where I am, there you may be also. At the end of this life, it's not death. At the end of this life, it's life. For believers and unbelievers alike, everybody lives eternally but some have eternal life and some have eternal death where they'll be awake and alive but out of the presence of God but Jesus promised he's going to come back and take us and let's go to Acts 1 and set the stage the disciples here in Acts chapter 1 they've gone through all four stages that we talked about they know about the birth of Jesus and they saw the crucifixion. And we know that when he was crucified, they fretted and they worried and they walked away, wondering what they would do. And then Jesus rose from the dead. And they had such joy when he did that. And they thought, we're going we're gonna to live with him now. But after some time, Jesus took them up to the, Mount, to the Olivet, the hill of Olivet, the Mount of Olives. And verse... Acts chapter 1, verse 11. Jesus gives His final discourse to them and they watch Him ascend in a cloud. And they were just watching Him as He went up. And they said that they could see Him go. And while they had looked steadfastly toward heaven as He went up, verse 10, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel who also said, Men of Galilee... Why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. When Jesus comes back, I believe it's going to be a physical appearing. It says, as he went into heaven, in their sight, on a cloud, he's going to come back. And we'll all see it. The whole earth will see him return. Now, how that's going to be, I don't know. You know, I think, how is the whole earth going to be watching all at one time. <laughs> a few years ago, I, 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 on, it was Y2K, 1999 to 2000. Everybody was really wondering what was going to happen on that New Year's Day. And I thought, everybody's watching this year. Maybe he'll come back tonight. I mean, I mean, you know, the whole world was kind of going, hey, what's going to happen? Are we going to lose power on this computer thing? I don't know. We have the technology for the whole world to see. Will we see it on TV? Will we all just see Him come? But we're going to physically see the Lord Jesus come. And He's going to take us up to Himself, church. And there'll be, as we, we sing in the old songs, no more crying there. We are going to see the Lord. Right? No more phone bills there. We are going to see the King. That'd be great. I mean, you know, I mean... Around our house, it's kind of, you know, open up. We roll the dice to see which one we get to pay. No, it's not that bad. But we're going to escape all of this. And we're going to be taken to heaven where there'll be no more suffering, where there'll be no more tears, no more sadness, no more sickness, because the Lord is coming again. 
We as Christians should be the happiest people on the earth. We should be like at Disneyland all the time in our minds, right? As Christians, everywhere we go should be like Disneyland. Why are you so happy? Because I'm going to heaven. Get our focus right. Celebrate the hope of His coming. There's going to be many signs of His coming and we're looking around. We're seeing them today. We're seeing them. Are you ready? Have you fallen asleep? Are we so concerned about our material things or our fleshly life that we forget that Jesus is coming soon? Are we ready like the parable of the ten virgins? Some had their lamps filled with oil and their wicks trimmed and they were ready and others ran out of oil. And Which ones are you? Which one am I? This thing should be stirring on our hearts all the time. I believe the enemy wants to come and push it back because we, we, he doesn't want us to be thinking of eternity. Because as we think about eternity, things will change in our life. If we think about the second coming of Christ, there's a few things that should happen for us. The hope of His second coming, one, should provide motivation for practical Christian living. As we think about His returning... It should help us to strive and live for the things that Christ wants us to live for. 1 Thessalonians 3, 12. It's in the T-books. I don't know if you ever noticed there's five T-books all together there. We should have, as we think about His coming, it should stir us on to brotherly love. 1 Thessalonians 3.12 And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all, just as we do to you, so that He may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all His saints. As we think about His coming, we should be loving one another more. Love the brothers. Love one another. Sometimes you have to say that a few times because it's hard to love one another. It should bring us on to holiness. Romans 13. Starting in 12. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. And let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. We should begin to live in holiness as we think about His coming. It should change the way we live. As we think about His coming, Hebrews 10.25 exhorts us that we should not forsake the assembling together as some are in the habit of doing, but all the more as you see the day approaching. We should join together more and more and more as the time grows clear. If you're not in a lighthouse, I encourage you to find one of the Lighthouse groups to become part of a smaller body. We've been having some great times in our group and encouraging one another. But on top of that, we need to be meeting in one-to-one and two-to-twos. and We need to keep encouraging each other, meeting together, because it's a, it's a hard world out there. We need to encourage one another. Amen? Hmm. 1 Timothy 4.13 1 Timothy 4.13 As we think about His second coming, it should motivate us for faithful to be faithful in our Christian service. Simply it says, Bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas when you come, and the books, especially the parchments, 
Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. May the Lord repay him according to his works. You also must be aware for him. Sorry. All right. I'm in second. Where's it going to change? Where's it going to change? Yeah. I thought I was in first. Till I come, give attention to reading and to exhortation and to doctrine. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by the prophecy and with the laying on of hands of the eldership. Meditate on these things and give yourselves entirely to them, that your progress may be evident to all. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. Give attention to reading. Get to know the Word of God. Serve Him more and more as we see the day approaching. As we think about Him coming, there should be this impetus to say, Wow, God, the days are short. What can I do? How can I serve You? How can I be an example? We should know the Word. We should be able to explain people the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. Give attention to the reading of Scriptures. Learn more about God. Spend time with Him. Be involved in, in the ministry of His Word, ministering to others. What gifts do you have? Don't neglect them. Each of us in here has gifts. We've been talking about that in previous weeks. Don't neglect those gifts, but let them shine forth. Don't sit on them. Do you ever, in a service like this, and maybe in, in the time of worship when the worship music dies down and you sit, we sit, we're sitting in silence and you, you feel like, Something's supposed to happen here. Ever feel that way? I believe that when we're feeling that, because somebody has a gift they're supposed to be sharing right now. And it might be you. It might be somebody across the way who's neglecting to share that gift. And then we all lose out. We sit there and go, God, what is it? Don't neglect that gift. Let it stir up. Whether it's a word of encouragement or a prophetic word or maybe it's speaking in a tongue. Maybe you're even supposed to go and go pray for somebody in that moment. How many times, I, I know it's because some of you have talked to me where you're sitting in service and worship or even in the message and all of a sudden you feel like, I feel like I need to go lay, lay hands on the person in front of me and pray for them. Don't neglect that gift. Let's stir it up. Let's let those things happen especially more and more as we see the day approaching, as we do those things, those around us will be encouraged to share their gifts. As we neglect them, we're going to be all sitting back going, I don't want to do this. As we look forward to the day, we should be walking in love, walking in holiness. We'll, we'll gather together faithfully to meet with one another. 1 Thessalonians 1.9, just a little ways over. I'm going to read a couple of scriptures. For they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for His Son from heaven whom He raised from the dead, even Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. In 2.11 and 12, just page over. As you know, how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his own children, that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into His own kingdom and glory. 19. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? It is, not, it is, is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ that is coming? For you are our glory and joy. What is he talking about? He's talking about him being having the opportunity to share the gospel and to bring others to Christ. And that will be his joy. That will be Paul's joy in the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, being able to be there with somebody that you've shared your faith with, who've now accepted the truth, who walks in the truth. As we see the day approaching, it should spur us on to care and to share our faith with those around us. That will be our glory when Christ comes if we can go up with one or two, or ten, or twenty, 
You know, if each the statistics probably haven't changed much, if each Christian in the world today would share their faith with somebody, lead them to Jesus, disciple them to do the same thing. In six months, and then the next six months, those two, those two would do it again. In the process, I believe, just four, two, two and a half years, the whole world would be saved. Simply by you sharing your faith with one person and discipling them. And in six months, doing it again. In six months, doing it again. The whole world would come to know Jesus. We just need to share that. Share our faith. Step out in, in boldness. As we see the time coming. I want to read Titus 2, 13 and 14. All these things should bring us excitement. It's a hope, not a fear. When I was young, and it, it haunted me, um, really, through into my, way into my walking with the Lord... Um, all the way down up until about seven years ago. When I would think of the second coming of Christ, I would get scared. I was saved. I knew I was. I wasn't, I wasn't scared about going to hell. I got saved at a young age. I didn't walk with Him, but I knew that I was saved. I'd received Christ. I asked forgiveness of my sins. And I used to lay awake at night having... These, these awake nightmares that Jesus was going to come back in my backyard, which if he comes back that way, it's going to be on Pine Knot Avenue. <laughs> and I pictured these lines. I mean, as a kid would think, there's just huge lines, miles long of waiting, waiting to get, you know, to see Jesus and be judged and, and, and a young person's mind. And, but I was so afraid, but not because of the judgment that I was going to receive. I was really young when this started. It was about going to heaven. It was actually about spending eternity in heaven. And that freaked me out up until just about seven years ago. I, I don't know if any of you in here submit. I've thought about the same thing. What are we going to do forever? <laughs> I mean, that is a long time. You know, and I go, man, I could think of a lot of things I want to do. But what am I going to do after the first thousand years? I mean, you know, it was just, it was overwhelming. I mean, overwhelming. And my mind, and I'm analytical, and I think, and I was trying to wrap this mind around eternity. That was the problem. That was the problem. This mind cannot wrap around eternity. It can't wrap around God. If my mind can fully understand God, God is not worthy to be my God. Do you think about that for a second? If you can completely understand God, He's not worthy to be your God. Because you understand everything about Him. We just have to say, I don't understand you, God. You're way beyond. Every once in a while we get a glimpse we, and, and they give us pictures. It's kind of like a bride. It's kind of like an army. It's kind of like, you know, wow, what is it really kind of like? It's kind of like everything. And, and we just go, God, it's okay. I'm just going to trust you. Now, here's the thing. Here's the promise that, that relieved me. I don't have to understand eternity. I don't understand, have to understand heaven. I don't have to worry if I get to play football or I don't get to play football. Those things are important. What he promised... He didn't talk about those things. But what he promised is that there'd be no fear. There'd be no tears. There'd be no pain. There'd be no sickness. There'd be joy forever in his presence. And he's big enough to figure out what that's going to take to have joy in his presence forever. And I moved along. And I just says, it's enough for me. I'm not going to worry about it. It's a conscious thought that I did. I'm not going to worry about it anymore. If I go there in my mind, I still go back and go, what am I going to do? I mean, you know, if I'm on vacation too long, I get, you know, I'm like, i got to work, i got to do something. We don't have to be worried. He's got a great promise for us. Titus 2, we are going to read that. have been faithful. 
patient, looking, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's a blessed hope. What we wait for, what is coming is blessed. It makes us happy. It's as glorious appearing. It's going to be so magnificent. I, I get excited. Years ago, I was driving off the mountain uh, with, a, with an atheist friend of mine, uh, Jeff Fisher. And Jeff had been a Christian, and he got scared into heaven by his older brother talking about hell. And the, he, In fact, he had to read Revelation and got scared, and so he got saved. And then he walked away from Jesus. And then I got saved, and we were best friends growing up. It was always fun. We did everything together. In fact, Roy says if either one of us ever became president of the United States, we'd have to kill the other one because they knew all of our secrets. Um, but so he got saved and I was a heathen and he used to witness to me. And then I got he fell away and not just fell away. He, he turned into an atheist and very intelligent, very intelligent young man. He, he went here for years and um, he fell away and I got saved and I'd witness to him all the time. And, and one day. And he knew the Bible. He just didn't believe it. I mean, he, he had read the whole thing a couple times in his teenage years. We, we were young. We were driving down the hill, and it was down the front way. You know when you get the, the clouds at about 4,500, 5,000 feet, and it just is this awesome look out there. You're coming down. And, and we just, there was something about that day that I said, man, this is like, I think he actually probably says, man, this is like the day that, you know, if Jesus was going to come back. And I said, man, Jesus could come back in a day like this. And and um, and he, he looked at me and he actually just said, you know, if, if one day all, all my Christian friends are gone, I'll, I'll repent then and change my mind. You know, but it was just, it was, there was something about that day that I just went, I could see Jesus coming down in it. You know, it'd be a good habit to get into is just looking up at the clouds sometime and going, I could see Jesus coming down in a cloud. You know, we, if you work at the ski areas, you look up at the clouds and say, are they going to snow? I hope they're going to snow because we need some more business. If you're in construction, you go, I hope it's not going to rain. It could, wor- it could ruin my work day today. But as believers, we should look up and every time we see a cloud say, is Jesus on that one? Is he coming? Because he's coming. And it could be today. Don't be asleep and look forward to that glorious day. We as believers have nothing to be afraid of. What's going to happen exactly? I don't know, but it's going to be cool. I mean, you know, when we get to reign for that thousand years, that whole thing's like, really? Like, are we going to get old? Are we going to do? We're going to be reign with him for a thousand years? What do we get to do? Do I get, you know, do I get to be the treasurer? I don't know. I mean, Jesus, I mean, come on. Don't you ever think about this? And maybe some of you are going like, really, a thousand years, like on the earth, and that's what the Bible says. It's, you know, he's going to reign. He's going to come and set up his dominion. We're going to be reigning with him. He's going to reign in Jerusalem. I'm going, man, you know, no more. don't have to worry about President Obama anymore. <laughs> we have Jesus. During that thousand years, the Bible says that Satan will be tied up. He'll be bound. Satan won't even have to get to mess with you. That's going to be good. It's exciting. Looking, waiting, hoping for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. I want to close with the scripture, 1 Thessalonians 4. I want to be nice to Josh Bailey, who's teaching Kid Zone today. He is one of our new Kid Zone teachers. Be thankful for him. You know, I here's a side story. Thinking about the rapture, and uh, it was actually Y2K that night. All the family was together over at at Gary's house, and. We were celebrating the New Year's together, and and uh, we had the conversation had become at different points of the night going, "What if Jesus were to come back tonight? I mean, it would be a great night, New Year's on you know 2000." I thought, 
And, uh, and Pastor Mike's daughter, Rachel, had fallen asleep on the couch. And I just, it was just so funny. I says, let's all go outside. <laughs> she wakes up, we'll all be gone. Isn't that mean? That's a Christian practical joke, huh? <laughs> that actually happened to Pastor Eric. He, he came late to church years ago. He wasn't the pastor at the time. He came late to church. He was a young believer, and, and he got there, and everybody's coats and purses were all on the chairs, and there wasn't a soul in the room. <laughs> And, and I guess they had gone on a quick little trip in a, to a different part of the building or something, and he walked in. Ah! <laughs> but First Thessalonians 4:17 says this: After that. We who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so will we, we will be with the Lord for a couple of years. Forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. You know, it would be great to begin a case, you know, not, not just to do it as, you know, because pastor said so, but, you know, begin to get that in our hearts so much we go up and say, Kayla, Jesus is coming soon. And begin to stir each other up. Help us, encourage each other with these words because it should give us the blessed hope of His glorious appearing. It should get us excited. It should help us to walk uprightly, morally, godly, in this present dark world. It should draw us to Him. Heavenly Father, God, we thank You for Your advent. We thank You that You came into a dark world. God, over the next four weeks, we know that we'll hear and read the story and how You chose this world be born into in a dark time. Then you lived a life and you died for our sins. God, we know and we thank you that death couldn't hold you down. And you were the first fruit. You were the first one to rise from the dead. Showing that we would also have life. But God, it wasn't finished you ascended on high, you sent the Holy Ghost to walk with us and to comfort us and to fill us with power. And when you rose, God, you said you would come again. Throughout your life, you warned us to be ready. You said be watching, be looking. You promised that you'd go away, but you would come back and receive us to yourself. Lord, I pray that we would find room in our hearts for that truth. That it would permeate our minds. It would influence our speech. It would help direct our steps. God, I pray that we would not keep that truth in, but we would encourage one another with that truth and that hope. God, that we would be mindful of those around us who don't know you. Who, if you came back today, would not be caught up in the air with you, but would instead face a fiery judgment. God, let us be mindful of these things and let them encourage and change us. God, I thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. Before we even close, it be a great day.
to recommit your life to Him and say, God, I haven't been watching and waiting. I've let the things of the world draw me away and I'm coming back to you. be 